So I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. We're in the amphitheater, and it's a joy to have you all here. I'd like to especially welcome those who are visiting for the first time and our guests who are here. I will be reading from I am Nayaswami Parvati, and this is Nayaswami Pranaba, and I'll be reading from the rays of the one light for the reading for this week, The Eternal Now. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. When will I find God? Many devotees have asked this question. Because worldly goals require time, usually, for their fulfillment, we imagine time to be a factor on the spiritual path. And so it is, but only because we think it is. God is as much with us now as he will ever be. It is not he who needs to come to us. We need to come to him. And that process of coming is a matter of transforming our self-perception. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 4, Jesus Christ says, Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There is a practical teaching in these words, apart from their statement that we have God already have, and have only to realize that truth. Jesus is saying, Lift up your eyes and look. To, to hold the eyes uplifted is the best position for meditation. For the seat of superconsciousness lies at a point midway between the eyebrows in the frontal lobe of the brain just behind that point. This point is known also as the Christ center. By lifting up your eyes and concentrating there, you will find it easier to enter the state of ecstasy. That is why saints in every religion have often been observed during states of deep inner communion with their eyes uplifted, focused on the inner light, white, as Jesus said, already to harvest. The Bhagavad Gita goes further into this meditative teaching. In the sixth chapter, it states, Holding the spine firm, the neck and head erect and motionless, let the yogi focus his eyes at the starting place of the nose, the point between the eyebrows. Let not his gaze roam elsewhere. In meditation, tell yourself, I have him already. I am alive forever in the divine light. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. This is the last time we have to use a mic like this for a while. We have the new temple, of course, opening in two weeks from today, and everything changes. Who knows how we'll be doing things? Let's hope someone knows. <clears throat> a 
I'd like to read to you from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of Answered Prayers, or Prayer Demands, Whispers from Eternity. Open my inner eye, O fountain of light, that I may behold thee in the dance of the myriad hued atoms. Burst open the doors of space that I may see thee behind the swirling mists of material illusion. Behind thy walls of brilliant cosmic rays, thou art hiding. Open every portal in nature that I may see thee everywhere. Some long few years ago, when Parvati and I were first getting together, getting to know each other, uh, I had this dream that uh, Parvati came to me with a message from Swami Kriyananda. I'm not quite sure why Swami Kriyananda didn't directly come in that dream, but anyway. maybe because we were, had so much energy together, uh, Parvati and myself at that time. But it was a very interesting dream and one that I hearkened to pretty much all the time after all these years. Uh, and simply his message was, he said, instead of serving with a restless, busy energy, serve with a centered focus that goes on without end. Very interesting. And it's something that we can hear and relate to, but as some wise sage said, the path to God is simple, however it's not easy. Interesting distinction there. But what we want to do is tune into how we do make it not so much easy outwardly, but how we relate to it from our center. And so we want to come at it with a sense of ease. Now we have a dear friend here in the community that has a Sanskrit name, Sahaja. And we have another dear friend, Sahaja, coming from Ananda Sisi for the 50th anniversary of Ananda next week, along with her husband Jayadev. And there's a one understanding of the Sanskrit name Sahaja that means at ease. It refers to being natural in the way that we are in that experience of the divine, that we're at ease with that. So it may not be that we have an easy path before us where we can feel we're in the eternal now, but we can be at ease in our center to approach that eternal now every moment. It is our self-offering in that approach that really is what's before us. We don't really need to worry or be concerned about what the outcome is. That is in the divine hand. That's in God's hands for us. But it's absolutely necessary that we, in our approach, in our understanding, and in our way of focusing our energy, that we come from the point of ease. That's where the eternal now is for us as an experience. Paramahansa Yogananda said this interesting uh, phrase that I was recalling and then I found it actually uh, where he said that no devotee should ever miss their daily appointment with God. Now, you could take it as a command. I like to take it as an invitation. 
um, because I found that in my own approach to the spiritual unfoldment, that the more I can get on the edge of saying, I want to do this rather than I should do this, it's much more productive, more efficient in terms of what I'm doing with my energy, what I'm doing with my attitudes in that way. And so that appointment naturally is understood primarily as meditation, having that daily appointment with God inwardly in that inner experience. But obviously, well, I sh maybe shouldn't say obviously, but for most of us, we're not meditating 18 to 23 hours a day. If you are, hold your hand up and I want to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> but that isn't what's happening for us. And so we have a large amount of time that we want to be in that eternal now that isn't in meditation itself. But can we not always, in whatever activity we're doing, have a meditative focus? It's true, isn't it? There's no reason why we can't have that. When you think of some of the things that we're involved in, there's no let-up of the pressure of getting it done. I mean, think about the amazing people working on that temple across the meadow. We are going to use it next Sunday in the evening. There's no let-up that it needs to be accomplished. You think of cooks in the dining, in the kitchen. Lunch has to be ready at 12.30. There's that endless pressure that doesn't ever get alleviated from that particular activity. But does that mean we have to be bound by that pressure in a negative way? Absolutely not. If we can engage in that understanding and experience of being centered and at ease, then God can come to us as much there as in meditation. And that's really what's being offered before us, is how do we really come to that experience more and more? and not give up when we blow it really dramatically. Because there are times our karma is just going to be there for us, and it will be a challenging period of time. It may be a challenging whole lifetime. But the challenges are not to be avoided. Let's do it this way so we won't have to do that again. What we want to do is supersede that way of understanding life and really come to the experience where we're lifting the energy enough where we're not so much avoiding that challenge, we're decimating the challenge by our energy and magnetism. And when we have the experience in meditation, and I think probably most of us, if perhaps not all of us here, have had some touch of meditation where it indeed is timeless. 
You know, we're not bound by anything. We're in the experience. And the moment we realize we are in that experience, we're in time again. You know, we've surfaced out of that depth that is timelessness. But I found the more that I can appreciate, not, not attach myself to that experience of timelessness, but to feel it more, even post-experience of timelessness, that I recognize that's who I am, that's how I can live my life, that's how I can engage in the busiest of activities that may go on and on. But we don't have to be caught by the energy and the activity. If we can lift the energy, if we can draw it to focus, then we can overcome by lifting the energy to the level that's drawing it from that experience that tends to pull us down. Because the world is well-developed by God to pull our energy down. It's set up not to necessarily work for us on the world's terms. So, if we want to make sure we're caught by delusion, then we relate only in the way we act and engage in life on those terms of the world. But why? We can still engage in the experiences that we're involved in, but we don't have to engage on the world's terms. And that doesn't mean being either aloof or numb to those experiences. It means we're just lifting the energy to create a greater magnetism, a greater reality that really is the true nature of who we are. It isn't adding some experience to us, although I think for a lot of us that's how it appears, that's how it feels, is that we're adding the experience of peace of mind, as we did the affirmation for. But that's not really what's happening. We're not adding peace to our lives through meditation. We're coming to the realization that we have that peace. That is our reality. It isn't an add-on. It's not an app. <laughs> it's part of the hard drive. It's really part of the core of who we are. And we can live always in that experience. And so we can let that filter out, let that be expressed in everything. Not just things that, quote, seem spiritual, but perhaps even more importantly, those things that don't seem spiritual. Because otherwise we have a dichotomy. We have a mixture of things that seem opposing. And there is a duality, of course, in life. That's what makes creation continue to exist, is duality. The forces that oppose each other. But again, if we can create an understanding and then the experience from our center, then everything will work for us. Even when those challenges get stronger, we have the means, the ability to tune in and unfold to our true nature. Because it says in the Mahabharata and in the Bhagavad Gita, the, the scriptures of India, that when we go to battle and we have that hesitancy to fight because some of these attachments we have are so much 
how we've identified who we are, that we're not going to feel comfortable engaging in that battle because we would feel that parts of us would be lost, perhaps destroyed. But indeed, those things never, in their essence, get destroyed. What we can do spiritually is allow the energy within those tendencies, in those directions, in those attachments, to be drawn into the flow of energy that's uplifting. So those qualities fade because they're not animated anymore. They're not enlivened by energy. But the energy isn't lost. The energy is gained by us magnetically drawing it into our center and drawing that energy up to aid in that experience of our true nature. And so meditation, as it says, both in the reading from the Bible and then in the Bhagavad Gita, is primary for us to really be in that timelessness of our soul nature in the eternal now. But again, we can't leave meditation just in our meditation room. We can't just leave it as something we do. Because in that experience I had of that dream of the message from Swami Kriyananda, what I've learned over the years is refining that, that understanding that I've gained from it in that we actually shift from serving as our focus into being in the energy of service. You ever thought about that in that way? Interesting shift, isn't it? Of course, a lot of us are going to engage in serving because we want to activate, we want to open up to that possibility. But there's a refinement that's important here, and it's subtle, that we shift from the serving into tuning into the flow of that divine energy that we become the service itself. And certainly we will have activities. Um, many of us spend a lot of hours and days helping the efforts of the temple getting ready, the whole community getting ready for our event next week. Um, because with all of us living at the village and all our guests, there will be at the end of the week over 800 people here. Um, that's a lot of logistics and activities to coordinate and to get into place. And I was emailing someone the other day saying, you know, however our well-thought-out plans are, they're not going to be what we'll be doing <laughs> exactly. Um, because I don't think most of us can comprehend that number of people even moving from point A to point B. You know, if we had them all roped together, we could probably do it. But, but, and so the point is, if we relax into, we've set our plans, the logistics are there, uh, we've got schedules, we've got people put in place, and then if we can relax and enjoy that, okay, let's pay attention to those parts of it, but let's be more in that rhythm of that we are the service itself. The word seva 
is the Sanskrit word for the idea of selfless service. And it relates to that oneness that we are at the depth of what service is. And so sometimes, for much of the time, we're priming the pump to that experience by the activity of service. But no matter how intense that outward experience can be, don't let it rob you of being in the flow of that service that you are, that service itself. And so if things happen this way or that way that weren't planned out, that weren't in your concept of what should be happening, be in that freedom that you are opening to the possibilities. So you may have to run from point A to point B to make something happen, but run being centered. Feel always that we can turn a downward pulling energy into something fulfilling. When you're caught by a negative pattern of responding, focus on something that's positive, but also deep. Maybe all you get to is being positive, but keep in mind that you can go deep in that experience of just reorienting, reshifting what it is that's really going on for you and find that positive element in that experience. If you don't get lunch next week, just feel, that, hey, I need to lose some pounds anyway, so it's fine. But, but beyond the joking part of it, just feel that there's a freedom in shifting it to being positive and then deepening that. There's also an understanding that we can put into activity a constructive energy. So again, instead of serving with a restlessness or a busyness, you may have to do things fast and immediate with pressure, but do it constructively. Do it with a sense of actively engage with a constructive energy so that that energy is not only helping you at that point, but it's like you're sending waves of that constructive experience of the spiritual touch to all those engaged around you. But also to feel that we can come to a spiritual experience even deeper than a positive experience, regardless of what happens. So don't, don't get caught by the temptation that things are overwhelming. Appreciate maybe that they are overwhelming, but find the ways that you're not yourself overwhelmed by the overwhelming things. Find that pause where you're just taking the breath and letting it flow. Focus at the spiritual eye and let your orientation come from that. You know, if we can move in these simple directions and just remind ourselves, remind one another to lift our eyes, to breathe more in a relaxed way, to have our posture, as the reading from the Bhagavad Gita states, to have the spine straight. Um, all these things are nurturing who we are.
in the deepest experience. We don't have to be bounced around by life's circumstances, by life's activities, by the flow of duality. They will be there, always. But each one of us can come to that experience where the divine is always with us as our real experience. But not leaving it at that, letting that experience of the divine flow into everything, every moment, every thought, every conversation, every activity, every relaxation. Nurture that and the response will be there. And if we can do that, then grace will come. Divine grace will come to us because we're centered in who we really are. And that's where grace is all the time. So be in that grace, be in that center, and be an instrument for others.
He can guide us and help us toward light to draw nigh.